Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to another week's edition of Minutes of Mute. Scott Mutrin joins us here. I'm your host, Mike Galtieri. So happy to be back. And uh, we're going, things are going really, really well for BC football. Winners of three straight, a domination of 35 to 3 over Florida State. That's right, 35 to 3 over Florida State. Uh, Scott, thanks so much for the time. And uh, just saying those words sounds pretty good. Yeah, you're usually not used to saying uh, BC's on the other side of a you know 35 to three score versus Florida State, and you probably asked a lot of people and they wouldn't expect that because it hasn't been uh, historically something that you see. But it was fairly evident to anyone who watched on TV or anyone who was there Friday night that the better team was wearing the maroon jerseys and the white pants. Scott, how do you feel to a big picture of this offense coming off of Virginia Tech? And now these last three games, Louisville, Virginia, Florida State, Anthony Brown emerging, A.J. Dillon, obviously. Just recap, what's triggered this offense? Well, it, you know, you hate to say it was, uh, you know, some moment that a coach says, but, you know, Steve Adazio's press conference after the Virginia Tech game where he basically said that, hey, there's things that are going to happen and it's going to be beautiful has kind of been the triggering event for this offense. And I mentioned before in a couple of our other times that we've talked is that you can see you could see people were open, but there was always something missing, whether it was a block, whether it was a catch, whether it was a throw, or whether it was a simple run. And it's amazing to see that once it all kind of comes together and that confidence that when it clicks, it's contagious. Just like, you know, just like the flu. The flu is contagious in the bad way, but when you have confidence in an offense and those things start working well together and guys start believing, that's contagious, and, and, it, and it trickles down to everyone involved. And I think that's what you've seen the last three games. You've seen some guys come of age. You've seen some older guys who have competed but haven't had the success, experience that success, and start going, wow. All this work and everything is really starting to pay dividends and then just starting to play, not worrying about everything, playing fast, playing hard, and playing physical. And you're starting to see that brand of BC football really come to fruition, and especially at the line of scrimmage. I mean, the line of scrimmage has been the biggest, most noticeable thing in the last three games on offense and defense as to how well BC has played. It really, really starts with those guys up front. And that has been, you know, the biggest notice. The, the quarterback and the running back always get a lot of the press. But you watch those guys up front, and you can see how well and how trusting they are playing with one another. And it's really kind of trickled down to all the other facets of the game. Not even to, to forget about the special teams, which has been great with Michael Walker return game has been great. And then Mike Knowles punting game has been exceptional in field position wise. You're seeing all three facets really kicking in. You mentioned the special teams, the offense. How about the defense too? Uh, Harold Landry really hasn't played in two games. Didn't suit up against Florida state. Didn't play that much at all against Virginia. And, uh, you know, we've talked about the injuries on the linebackers. This defense really has been decimated by injuries but still playing very, very well, uh, obviously holding Florida State to three points. Yeah, you see that in your – sometimes when you lose a guy of Harold Landry's caliber and you're talking you're talking a top 10 or 15 draft pick here, so it's an exceptional talent, you lose 
lose a guy like that and all the other guys in the defense realize that they need to play better or they need to step up their game a little bit. And a couple guys that have really, really risen to the occasion were have been Ty Schwab has been great. He had a tremendous game against Florida State. He was all over the field. Yeah, player of the week, ACC player of the week. Right. John Lamont has been great, redshirt freshman. He's been an integral part. I mean, he made some great open field tackles and playing very well. Um, and then Zach Allen and Wyatt Ray. I mean, Zach Allen is having an all-ACC all type of year. He's been exceptional all year long. He makes a huge play on fourth down deep in Florida State's territory that really kind of was the final nail in their coffin. Making a tackle, beating a double team and tackling uh, Florida State running back for a loss on a fourth down play. He's been exceptional. Wyatt Ray's been great, you know, coming off an interception versus Louisville. Solid game versus Virginia. He had a couple quarterback pressures against Florida State. He's really emerged as well. Those guys have played exceptionally well. The secondary, I thought Will Harris had his best game of the year uh, against Florida State. Um, he had, a, a, you know, two, a, two huge fumble recoveries, one on defense, one on special teams. That are really game changers when you look at them. You look at the first half, Florida State's driving in a close game, and they fumble in, you know, in BC's in the red zone for BC, and Will Harris covers that up, and then you see at the beginning of the second half, a uh, Mike Knoll with a with a tough punt to field. Florida State tries to field it inside their ten, and Will Harris grabs that one too. Two big, you know, big plays in each half that really changed all the momentum. He had a great game. He almost missed an interception too, so. He was all over the ball on, on Friday night, and the secondary, I think, has played exceptionally well. They're one of the top four in the country with interceptions for the year. Um, they're really opportunistic and taking advantage of, te- of quarterbacks that, that haven't been on the mark. Now we enter the bye week, and this is always the issue with the bye week, the team playing so well. A, you want to get healthy, but B, you're like, geez, let's keep this roll, this streak going. Uh, what are your thoughts? What does this team need to do? Especially if you, you, Scott, you know as a player, what's it like coming out the bye week? What did you do on your side to stay prepared? Well, for bye weeks for me, especially, you know, when you're in there playing, it is the, the, the physical aspect of the recovery aspect is huge, right? Because you just, sometimes you just, uh, you need those extra couple days because you come off a physical game like that, usually it takes some time for you to feel right probably around Wednesday where you start getting physically right. Um, to get this extra time physically gets you back involved. But also it's a mental break from the grind of game plan, uh, from watching a lot of film, from really studying your opponent and grinding. You're able to kind of relax a little bit and kind of get a mental refresher, which is huge as a young guy because it's not the same game as the pros where you have all, all that time dedicated to just playing football. At BC, you got to do your, your classwork and you got other stuff that you can take care of uh, during this bye week. So you don't have that, that, that grind and that rush. You're able to kind of catch your breath a little bit, and that helps. But on the contra side of it, you look at it, and I, I talk about offense as a rhythm, as like an orchestra almost. And that when everyone's playing well and doing their job, it's a really beautiful symphony and everyone's hitting on the right chord. So you worry about losing that rhythm and timing because you've taken some time off, getting some guys healthy. 
that the worry coming out of that bye week is that you get some some of the mental lapses. You kind of see some some false starts, a couple penalties that maybe you don't want to see when you're rolling really well. So it's tough to let that go, but you really appreciate the kind of breather and take a step back. But the funny thing is you get a read from this team, especially there was some moment in that Louisville game where it all clicked and they really started to feel it, even on both sides, because the defense played well up until they got tired at the end of the game. You really got to feel that these guys had 100% bought into everything that's happening. And, and they really are playing for the guys in the locker room. They're not playing for the fans or, or even for the coaches per se, but you see the, this kind of togetherness and, and buying in with everybody, that that's the refreshing thing or at least the thing that doesn't make me as worried of them going into the bye week and losing some of that. I think that you're really going to see this team kind of put the foot on the gas pedal for these last three games and make a statement about this team going into the end of the year. You're right. You know, that got me thinking. I was at the press conference on Monday. I asked Coach Adazio if he could pinpoint, you know, when it happened between Virginia Tech and Louisville of a team transforming. Because it's very rare that a team totally does a 180 like this. And he really didn't even know himself. He just said they looked better in practice. But there really wasn't that one moment. Uh, and you, you imagine it happened maybe sometime on the field during that Louisville game. Well, yeah. And the interesting thing about this, too, is as a coach, you're, you're trying your best as a coach. You prepare your players, but you also protect them because you always want to put them in a position to be successful. You never want to put them in a position where they feel that they can't succeed because confidence is fragile. And when you're afraid to put them in those, those, those situations because you're worried about what's going to happen, you tend to almost hold back a little bit and maybe almost to a sense coddle them. Um, and that kind of what happened in the, in the Virginia Tech game because of the field position and certain other things that happened, you felt D.C. was very conservative. So as a coach, you kind of get that, that sense. But then the Louisville game happens, and the players get the confidence, and they start executing, and that kind of trickled into the coaches where they're like, all right, it's sinking in. We need to put more on these plates on the plates of these guys because they can do this. And their confidence grows, and you can see it. It is so directly noticeable in the play calling for the offense and how they're attacking teams and not sitting back and waiting for bad things to happen. They're attacking teams. And then the defense has been playing very tough to the ball opportunistically and then taking their shots when they're bringing pressure and getting some TFLs and some, and some turnovers, you really notice that. So it's almost like the players had to prove to the coaches that, hey, guys, we're ready for this. It's time for us to, to really take this on our own, our own and, and really start doing it and then, and then really executing. Scott Mutrin joins us here. Last question, Scott. Uh, big picture team is now 5-4, and four, three games left. Obviously the goal is to finish 8-4 and four now and – you have NC State, Connecticut, and Syracuse. Obviously, three winnable games, uh, especially NC State playing Notre Dame last week and Clemson this weekend, while BC sits pretty with a bye. So what do you think the goals are, big picture, uh, with this team as we head to the final three games of the regular season? I, I mean, I think you, you're walking into this game against NC State, and it couldn't have lined up any better. Um, 
Coach Adazio talked in the beginning of the year on how tough this schedule was to start. And I looked at it and I said, yeah, it's tough. And, and, and a lot of those things um, can be looked at as a negative. But I looked at it as a positive to an extent that you had an inexperienced team and you hardened them to an extent earlier in the season. They had to go through these tough matchups. And as you see, you know, Notre Dame and Clemson and Wake Forest, who's a very good team that people don't talk about a lot. And you see Virginia Tech, who's competing for a championship on the other side of the bracket. You played four very tough teams, but those teams hardened you. That when the BC went into that Virginia game, they were clearly a better team. And I think those games made them better and made them, made them tougher and, and harder. And as you go into these last three games, you look at NC State, and they're going ha- to be coming off two weeks of top ten teams that they have to compete against. They already lost a couple players against Notre Dame. Who knows what happens against Clemson? So BC has the opportunity to come in fresh and go after an NC State team that their confidence may be shaken, especially if they lose two games in a row, and you're able to kind of pounce on them. And then UConn, I mean, they're not having a great season. That's a W that BC should expect to win. If they play their game, they should beat UConn. And then Syracuse, that, that awful carrier dome and all the bad things that happen in that terrible place is a, is a song for another day because I don't want to get into my Syracuse hatred right now. But you come out of that and you look at, if you come out of those three games at 8-4 and four or 7-5, and five, you're in good position for a good bowl game and you're able to go and really put a stamp on this season. And then you go into next year and you kind of look at how the schedule plays out you're looking at a top 20 team going into next year, not to get too far ahead of myself, but if they can end this season on a high note, whether it's 7-5 and five and 8-4, and four, I mean, you're talking about a team that's going to be talked about going into next year because of all the youth on offense and, and the playmakers on offense, and then you're going to have if, you know, a couple guys come back on defense. Um, you're going to have some really big impact players going into that. So this is a... This is a statement end of the year for these, these three games. Can really make a statement for the direction of the Boston College football program, not just for 2017, but 18 and 19. Yeah, no question, but I agree with you. The goal has to be you win these next three in a row and uh, finish 8-4 and four and go to big-time bowl game. I think that's very, very reasonable with this final th- uh, three-game stretch right here. Right, and, but Syracuse is always that wacky place where you just never know what happens in that dome. Yeah. The things have happened. I think uh, Eric Dungey's a very good quarterback for them. But right now, I mean, they're focused on, on NC State. NC State's got a very physical defensive front. Uh, Ryan Finley's a very good quarterback uh, for NC State. He's played well. Uh, he lost a couple playmakers against um, Notre Dame, but he battled, and he's a tough quarterback uh, that BC's going to have to battle and get some hits on. The more hits I think they get on, on, on Ryan Finley going into that game, the more successful that they will be. Uh, but it's going to be a great challenge for this offensive line, and you're really going to see where BC is at coming out of this North Carolina State game and how well they play against a team that, that's pretty talented and has some NFL players on both sides of the ball. Well, Scott, should be fun to watch next couple of weeks. As always, thanks so much for the time. Thanks a lot, Mike. Appreciate it.